Welcome to the PhD Talk podcast. I'm Eva Lansart, a professor in civil engineering and blogger on the side. And I am Sarah Cameron, PhD student and work in organizational psychology. In this podcast, we talk about PhD research and interview current PhD candidates, as well as those who work closely with them. We hope you'll stick around. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PhD Talk podcast. Today, we'll be interviewing Saima Khan, who is a PhD scholar in global studies at Sofia University in Tokyo in Japan, as well as teacher of philosophy at the Department of Philosophy and Interdisciplinary Studies at GCU Lahore in Pakistan. Um, without much further introduction, I would like to ask you, Saima, can you tell us a bit about your background and your career path and how you went to do your PhD in, in Japan? Uh, thank you, Eva. Thank you, Sarah, for having me today with you. Uh, I have a multidisciplinary background and I started uh, off with my education as a science student. Uh, because in Pakistan, science is actually considered as very prestigious and very qualification, which is of high level as compared to social sciences. So I started with that, but I always had interest in uh, philosophical underpinnings uh, of uh, any social issue and I really wanted to know what exactly is the case for particularly ethical issues and the ideological issues what exactly is behind that and I wanted to explore social issues uh, therefore I shifted in my master's in my MA to philosophy and I studied philosophy uh, which I actually really liked I wanted to go into philosophy and uh, from my master's in philosophy I started exploring uh, multiple issues taking place around me that how exactly they're connected with my life and how they're connected with the, the lives of the people around me and um, how they're connected to, to, to the Western discourse as well. Uh, because being a global country uh, in global south, we have extreme impact of global north and either we are uh, influenced by them uh, the global north or we are resisting to the thoughts of global north so i wanted to have a connection between these two ideas uh, of global north and global south as well and the moment i did my masters i was selected as a cooperative lecturer in my university from where i, where I did it. i did from karachi university and i started teaching over there and it was a great new experience and i was exploring my connection with the students and i was exploring my own ideas and it was a great learning experience as well because i personally feel not only reading or learning as a student is important but when, when we start teaching to the students it gives us more ideas and it helps us to explore more new dimensions of our knowledge whatsoever we have and from there, I actually got myself enrolled in MPhil leading to PhD, but then I got married and I had a baby and then um, it, it, and I shifted to, to another city of uh, Pakistan that was Lahore and uh, it was very difficult for me to, uh, to jump around um, and to go to different cities and pursue my PhD with my little baby. And then I, I I had to quit that program and I took admission in MPhil that was um, MPhil in history. But I started exploring um, the post-colonial aspects of feminism in Pakistan because I always had this intention to know why women problems are not getting solved, though there are so many uh, voices, women voices 
in favor of women rights yet the problems there's a bridge between those voices and the people who are suffering the, the women who are suffering from that so when when i was doing my phil i studied france fanon and i studied the whole post colonial philosophy and i, I applied to that philosophy the manichaean divide and the and the uh, binaries explored by anya lumba on the concept of feminism prevalent in pakistan and from from that i then went on to my phd which was in japan and i i chose global studies because uh, again i wanted to know the ideas uh, ideas actually flourishing in global north how they are impacting global south and going to japan actually japan to be very honest it was not my first priority i did apply a couple of universities in the uk i didn't choose that because it was too expensive for me they were offering very little amount of scholarship which and then with, along with my uh, family like my husband was there and my daughter was there i couldn't afford it actually and then i and my husband we were exploring opportunities together and then he got an opportunity in japan he got full scholarship and then i also applied and i got admission luckily in the similar city we got admission in tokyo we both were in similar city uh, if we had to go to japan we had a good scholarship as well therefore we decided to go to japan and i had no idea what kind of education would there be in japan until and unless i didn't go there but after going there i had a wonderful experience i literally enjoyed and i consider studying in japan was one of my best academic decision i've ever taken well great to hear that you found the context that's the right fit for you and i think you're actually our our first guest who is doing their doctorate in japan and so i'm wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more of what uh it's like to to do a phd in japan and if you teach and if you have coursework and how long it takes and what your sort of milestones are along the way so my case is a little different from the other students in the sense that uh, when i took admission i did i actually applied for my masters ma in global studies because my husband had already got scholarship and i was interested to study abroad uh to explore the opportunities and to uh, extend my career so i applied after him and i had a very little option because i didn't want to stay back in pakistan because i always wanted my daughter to be with both the parents so i had less opportunities because my husband already had admission uh, in tokyo so i didn't want to apply out of tokyo and then i had to look at what opportunity is available for me and that was only masters so i when i first went to tokyo that was my masters in global studies but again i had an option of completing it in one and a half year but i had to complete it in a year i worked day and night and i completed my two years masters in a year so i had to work really very hard for that but when i was doing my uh, masters um my teacher suggest, suggested me that why don't i go for a phd because my research had potential and i was quite enthusiastic about doing phd and i didn't want to lose this opportunity and i applied for phd and i went through it so i didn't have to go for coursework why because i did masters in similar program uh and i had all straight a's so i didn't have to go for all these coursework otherwise when all my other colleagues came in phd they had to have uh, this coursework and then we had a qualifying exam i didn't go for the coursework but i did go for qualifying exam we had three papers and we had to clear those 
with certain percentage and later on we had to defend our proposal and then to go for a field work or if it was textual analysis then for textual analysis and so on and so forth but yes there is coursework and the, and then we can audit the courses if we have some uh, extra requirements and then there's a qualifying exam and then the field work or the textual analysis whatsoever is required that's great yeah and how long does the phd journey typically take in japan or at the university where you're enrolled in japan the minimum minimum period is three years and one can take up to depending on its uh, field research or whatever the work or whatever the conditions are it can take up to five years but in between if the work is quite a lot we can take a uh, leave, leave of absence or we can withdraw for some time and then we can come back and it can go up to like seven years as well if there are some issues for instance right now i'm in final year of a phd and i've my fifth year has just finished but because of pandemic it impacted a lot um, on my phd i was very speedy uh, at the initial stage in the first three years of phd but then i had to slower myself down because uh, my both quarters they were at home and then you know the pandemic time is very demanding and the, again my husband was in, in a kind of a uh, job he had transfers and everything then we have to shift uh so i had to take leave of absence from a program and this is how we can do so some of my fellows they also um, took seven years but generally it's three to five years you already mentioned the field work part um in in the phd program and as i understood from our conversations previously by email your field work is actually in pakistan so can you tell us a bit about when you left japan went to pakistan for your field work and then stayed and are now pursuing your phd at distance as a result of the pandemic so first i collected preliminary data for my research uh, for my research proposal uh, and i gathered some field data because i had uh, collected the literature while doing the qualifying exam so now i needed a field data uh, so i went for a little time like a couple of months probably uh, i came to pakistan and i collected my data and then i went back to japan and i defended a proposal in the month october november 2017 so uh, and later on i kept on going and coming like it was like sometimes when when i needed my teachers and then when i needed guidance i used to go to japan and then i used to come back to pakistan because i had extensive field work research i had a plan to go back in 2019 but then we heard about pandemic like in china and there a lot of students are studying in china and there was doubt like there would be spread of covid-19 in pakistan so i dropped the program and then japan was very strict about um uh, covid-19 even right now you're not allowed to go to japan there are quite a lot of restrictions they were particular about this thing so and they were not allowing any foreign foreign students to come to japan continue with that they were continuing with online education even right now they have hybrid mode only the students were in japan they can attend face to face classes others are asked to attend online classes so i afterwards after 2019 i couldn't go to japan uh, but that was not a problem like i appreciate my university i really appreciate sofia university they managed i think this corona and this 
COVID-19 in this whole pandemic scenario really very well. So there was no halls like people uh, doing PhD. They were not stopped from doing their PhDs. It was all going on. Interesting. Jumping back a little bit, so you mentioned earlier that uh, you're also an academic mother and uh, that your daughters uh, were away from your husband um, for part of the time when you were completing your PhD. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about uh, your experience of being an academic uh, mother. As I told you that when when I started my career, like I was unmarried and then I got married and I had a baby. So all my education, my higher education is when I became became a mom. And I did my MPhil when I was, um, I had to leave, I had to quit my MPhil leading to PhD because I could not travel because of a daughter. Uh, she was very little and I could not go, uh, like I could not travel extensively because of my daughter. But I didn't give up. I actually, I had passion for my studies and I, I knew one thing, and this is what I've observed even in, my, uh, in, in Pakistani society and, and generally globally as well. The mothers who are studying, their children are more, uh, more into studies and they are more intelligent. This is what I've observed. They have more coherence in their ideas. I always wanted to continue with my studies no matter what, no matter my child is small or I, I never thought that if my children would grow up, then I'll study. Secondly, I never wanted to keep my children away from their parents, be it me or be it their father. Because I personally believe that the child has right to both parents. And uh, because of my ambitions, I'll not take their rights away. Uh, therefore, I had to adjust at times. Uh, and at times, my husband had to adjust. But this is something which... which me and my husband, we had committed that no, our child should not suffer intellectually, emotionally, physically because of our ambitions. And at the same time, we should not let go our ambitions. So we had to take decisions together. When I was in Japan and and I, I was doing the PhD, that was a difficult time for my daughters. Uh, and even for me, definitely, because uh, I, I literally salute with single moms and single dads the way they handle their children like it's very difficult i personally believe it's very difficult to emotional needs of a child all alone uh and at that time um i realized that no i i have to be with my husband for my daughters otherwise they'll they'll be emotionally devastated it impacted their definitely it impacted their um, education in the sense that uh, the teachers told me that they are not concentrating the way they used to concentrate and it, it definitely uh, it was impacting me as well because when if my daughters were not uh, emotionally healthy, then I was not emotionally healthy because I couldn't see their their trauma and everything. But at the same time, my daughters always proved to be um, uh, that uh, force which pushed me to complete my deadlines. Like I always knew that if I have to spend time with my daughters, I have to complete it as soon as possible i don't have to stop myself and if i have given three to four hours staying away from them now i really have to complete this particular task i cannot leave that and this is the reason apart from my passion for my phd i never gave up and i never felt tired of my phd Uh, continuing on this topic could you share with us what would be your best advice for academic parents 
it sounds very simple, but I would say enjoy your parenthood and enjoy your academic life. Like it might sound very overburdening, but I personally believe that human, uh, as a human, we have we have a lot of capacity, and we we come to know about those capacities and. When we unlayer those capacities, when we put ourselves in the, into a situation which appears to be very difficult, but it's not that difficult when we start experiencing it, and then we discover a new self of ours. Um, so now we'll jump to some general questions that we ask all of uh, our interviewees on this podcast. And so I'm curious now, what your piece of uh, or your best piece of advice would be for for PhD students? The one problem which I faced uh, was ordering my literature data. Now I realize what I was supposed to do and I would offer my this this piece of advice to, to all the students who are just starting their PhD, that when they start reading any article, uh, manage that data. The other question that we ask all our interviewees is how you set boundaries to work? Well, uh, nowadays I'm not able to set boundaries, to be very honest, because last year, September, my younger daughter, she had a fracture, leg fracture. It was very devastating for me. So I had to go through that experience as well. And, you know, it was very, very demanding until February. Uh, I was very engaged in it and it impacted my routine a lot. So nowadays I'm, I'm trying to get back to my routine. Okay. Wow. Well, I, I hope your daughter is, is doing better now. Um, <laughs> that's good to hear. Another question we have for all of our interviewees is how COVID-19 has changed uh, your job and your daily tasks. Okay, so that's a very interesting question. At a personal level, as an individual, personal as an individual, it didn't impact me, honestly speaking, because I'm a very introvert kind of person. So staying at home, and doing my task was not at all a problem. Rather, I was so happy that I don't have to go outside, I don't have to meet people, and I can focus on my study. But the problem uh, came when I had to actually take care of my uh, take care of studies and mental health of my daughters. I have no idea what was happening globally uh, with the education of children, but in Pakistan, the whole education process, like when teachers were teaching online, it was only the homework which was given like we were not equipped with uh, this this online education system at all so teachers had a lot of trouble with it and they couldn't deal with it and as a result children were having problem and mothers had to work hard like for instance if teachers given homework it it was the task of a mother or uh, if father was around, but generally mothers are around, so it was the task of a mother to help children complete that task. So the mothers who were working or the mothers who were studying, it became their responsibility and um, it actually caused stress to them. Yeah, I certainly recognize what you mentioned. Uh, uh, here schools reopened in September here in Ecuador, um, but a lot of extracurricular activities are not, for example, swimming classes, they will restart now at the end of April. So it's, it, it, we're still not out of the pandemic and, and it's, uh, it's been a, a long time. And, and for children, it's especially small children, they, 
they change quickly and and as parents we are the ones that are there to to be with them and guide them through through the changes that they experience and and the, the questions that they have about the pandemic and, and and illness of people around them but in pakistan they opened the schools very early like on and off there was lockdown in schools there were online classes but at the same time they were opening the schools as well and they were hearing news about deaths of like one of their schoolmates also died of um the covid-19 so this was also in their mind and uh like in january uh, or february february if i'm not wrong uh, like we had sore throat and everything and we went to the doctor and the doctor said okay actually you had covid and now you have recovered and my younger daughter she had fever because uh, her immune system was not very good because of a uh, couple of surgeries which went uh, through because of the the, the fracture she became so worried that oh something is going to happen to me and again it was so it took me again one whole month to calm her down that nothing is going to happen to her so this is something like we didn't have uh, any policy in pakistan regarding this pandemic like sometimes it was online and sometimes it was not online and children were going to school and then it was so hot wearing mask was impossible so we had multiple conditions and it was very difficult to come to the last question that we ask all our interviewees and that is if you could talk us through what a day in the life looks like for you well i really enjoy to be very honest uh because uh this happening of life like i i'm very thankful um uh, to god that i haven't given up my phd though i got some problems but i really stick to my phd topic i really own it and it's like my third baby and i'm desperately waiting for it to come out and uh and i really enjoy with being with my daughters and i really want them to know what am i working and i really want to know what is happening in the schools and i think this is what makes me and uh, like motherhood is real to be very honest like uh, i i know there are a lot of debates going on that it's it's person's choice uh, and like why the women would not choose to be mothers why should they be compared i totally agree with that but that doesn't take away this reality that motherhood is very demanding and not only we are developing our own selves we are developing uh, the audience of all the researchers who do not want to have children <laughs> we are developing audience for them they will be the future generation who will read their research and quote their research and reference their research so so i really like it i'm developing the next gen- next generation uh and i feel responsible for myself, uh, for all this particular thing and i really enjoy it i think yeah i think these are 
great final reflections to to round off on so with that i really would like to thank you saima for joining us today on this podcast i think uh, there's a, a lot of perspectives for our listeners to think about and with that i also would like to thank our listeners for listening to today's episode this is episode 65 in which we interviewed saima khan who is doing her phd in japan and is based in pakistan I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll be back next week with more on Research Live and PhD Live. Thank you so much for listening.